What's up, everybody, and welcome to Beer People. I'm Matt Prince. And I'm Chris Horn. And we're here, Beer Beer People. And we've got a special uh, summer in between seasons interlude for folks today. Yeah, uh, you know, sometimes opportunities present themselves and you can't, you know, let it go. And you like there are certain interviews you just want to get and you'll do it whenever you can, regardless of whether or not you're in a hiatus or what. If you even have a season to put this episode in, which we don't, but um, <laughs> but I'm personally um, really looking forward to today's interview. We always say this, but like this one means something different for me because the people who are joining us today kind of helped um, really showed me that beer is not just a beverage, but also a community. Heck yeah, that's right. And before we do the full intro that we're both very excited for, and it is true, I mean, we're generally excited about all of our guests. Like, right. We're, again, we mentioned this ad nauseum, but like we don't get paid for this. So if we weren't excited about the guests, we'd probably just stop doing it. Right. Yeah, I mean, and and I feel like if we don't say we're excited about the guest, when the guest listens to their episode, they'll be like, why weren't they, ex- they excited to talk to Yeah, them? they're not they're excited to see me. They're Fuckers. excited to talk to everyone else, and I'm the first one they're just not looking forward to. <laughs> Tolerating? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, Tolerating uh, just reminded me of the Taylor Swift concert I went to. Uh, about a month ago, because one of my favorite performances in the show is the song Tolerate It, which reminded me, uh, Matt, how are things outside of podcast land for you now that the school year is over and so much is happening? Yeah, uh, Chris. More or less is happening, rather. Yeah, yeah. I mean, depending on how you look at it. I mean, life's, life's good, Chris. Life's great. I mean, I'm very lucky being a, a public school educator that in the summer, you know, unless I decide to to change it up and do summer school or pick up another job, I, I'm off. And uh, I take that time to spend it with my children. And it's always special, you know, going from, you know, seeing them a few hours a day, you know, an hour in the morning before I leave and a couple hours when I get home to seeing them all day is just amazing. And uh, so far, so good. We started the summer strong. Um, uh, gymnastics and swim lessons and pool membership and tomorrow we're picking fruit, you know, like just really crossing them off the checklist, all those great things. So, so life is good. Chris, how are you doing? Aside from uh, attending uh, Taylor Swift's concert, what's going on with you? Uh, well, that was, that was certainly a great, a great time. And I'm more recently this weekend, just coming off a great little staycation uh, that Kelsey and I had, we were actually supposed to go up to uh, a glamping trip with my family. It was going to be the first time that Kelsey was meeting my family. And on my way into the house to grab my bag before heading out the door, I noticed that Mo, my, one of my cats, uh, appeared to be having a medical emergency. So I took him to the ER and he's okay. He has this like urinary tract thing that flares up. And this case was not it could have become and did not become uh, like a life-threatening thing, but it meant canceling the plans. And, uh, but Kelsey came in the clutch and we had an awesome staycation. We went to see a comedian. Um, we, uh, man, of course, now I'm gonna blank. <laughs> we, oh, we had a pool day one day. Um, 
bought a Nintendo Switch, played some uh, Mario Party, went to Love City Gardens um, and got sushi and then like danced in the middle of this street that's like got a lot of kind of Christmas lights that's set up, lit up at night in Center City, um, all of which she kind of planned on the fly. So it was a fantastic, very recharging weekend. That sounds great, Chris. I'm sorry you missed out on the glamping, but I know that you and Kelsey will, not, will have an opportunity to uh, for her to meet your parents again, I'm sure, very soon. Uh, but it sounds like you had a great time. So that's really cool. It was awesome. Yeah. And we'll find a, another time for that to happen for sure. And this weekend, I go to uh, Maryland to meet her family. Uh, I've met her mom briefly once, but it'll be a really fun, another like getaway that's not too too far um but an important one and it'll involve some like campfires and fishing and a carnival it's gonna be a blast sounds very idyllic chris uh you know sounds sounds very special so i hope you have a great trip um you know it's it's great for us you know what we what we can do over the summer and uh it's always fun crossing the summer uh like those watermarks off the checklist like I always think of I mean you just talked about a couple I'm not a fisher but I know a lot of people like it and like going to a carnival I mean can you get any more summer than that I mean you're really you're you're living the summer life Chris that's true it's true also I I'm going to issue a a public apology that when so another thing that you and I did um, along with other people um, Kelsey beer people Evan and Mimi uh, went to Logjam in 3, uh, hosted by Human Robot, earlier this month, uh, which was a great time. And we had the pleasure of being guests on our friends at Bruising Banter's podcast. And in all of that, I didn't actually mention all the exciting things going on with Kelsey. So I, this is Kelsey, this is your shout out, uh, the making up of that to you here. Um, but Matt, we had a great time there. And uh, listeners should check out our Instagram page for a couple clips uh, from running into Iker from Tripping Animals, Mike from New Trail, Richie uh, from Victory, and a couple of our other friends. Um, it was great. And I'm getting conscious of time too, because I know our next guests are actually going to join us, but I wanted to throw in that update there. Yeah, we had a, we had a great time. And as always, thank you to Human Robot for throwing such a wonderful festival, so, so many amazing breweries, and we've made so many friends over the years of going to this festival. Um, it's where we've gotten a lot of our guests from, and it was really cool to touch base with them again. Um, we didn't get to talk to all of our uh, former guests. Um, we saw Dan Endicott there from uh, Forest of Maine, uh, Brianne Allen. We saw her uh, from Sacred Profane. Um, and I'm sure I'm going to forget other former guests, but it was really special to see them and to reconnect with them. And uh, it's just great to hear that they're doing really, really well. Yeah, absolutely. And so speaking of folks we connected with, Matt, can you tell us a little bit about how today's podcast came to be? Yeah. So uh, when I got really into craft beer, I stumbled upon this really cool online beer publication called Hop Culture. And before reading Hop Culture and following them and, you know, getting to know different breweries through them, I had never realized that the beer could be more than beer. And it really showed me what a community, what culture it was. And um, just really eye-opening to me. Uh, and really th- that got me even deeper. And that got me a bit, a bit, a bit 
a bigger appreciation for beer. <laughs> like it's spit it out, a bigger appreciation for it. And um, we're gonna sit down with the managing editor and the the founder of of Hop Culture. So we're we're gonna sit down with Kenny Gould and uh, Grace Whites, and I'm so thrilled to talk with them about a number of things. I don't even want to spoil any of what we're gonna talk about because there's so much to cover. So uh, let's just get to it. and Kenny, welcome to Beer People. What's up? Hello. 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 Well, we are thrilled to have you guys. Um, As someone who is a mid-30s craft beer fanatic, you know, hop culture played a big part in my fandom, my appreciation, my realizing that beer was more than just liquid and is a culture. Um... You know, so this is this is pretty cool for me. But before we get into all of that, for, before we really dig into hop culture, well, we'd love to just hear about uh, a little bit more about the two of you. So, uh, you know, grab straws, choose who's first and tell us a little bit about yourselves. Kenny. Grace, you're up. You got the, the short straw. Oh, dang it. I drew the short straw. OK, well, my name is Grace Whites. I'm a senior content editor for hop culture uh, and also the. Uh, creator, I guess, of Beers Without Beers, our Women in Craft Beer Festival and Queer Beer, which is our um, craft beer festival focusing on the vibrant, thriving queer community in craft beer. So two underrepresented groups in uh, craft beer culture. Um, And I'm also, in addition to an avid lover of beer and dogs, I also like to run and I am obsessed with any type of British crime TV show um and crime and mystery and sometimes fantasy books fun fact kenny and i once started well it was really kenny that started a fantasy book club when we were both living in new york interesting well now i i, I gotta know more about that but we can save that for later kenny how about uh how about you i'll take it away my name's kenny gould often called kenny g i live in pittsburgh pennsylvania it's beautiful um, big frequenter of the public pool system. I'm the founder of Hop Culture. I am an avid supporter of Queer Beer and Beer Without Beards. I love reading fantasy fiction. I write fantasy fiction. Mark your calendar, July 18th. I got a new book coming out on Amazon. Um, what else can I tell you? I love dogs too. I love cats. I love all animals. And yeah, that's me. Just uh, rode my bike from Pittsburgh to DC. That was fun. Like being outside. Now I'm done. And yeah, if anyone uh, is, I guess, Instagram followers with you, Kenny, you documented the trip quite well. Oh, thank you. Instagram, And uh, it's really cool. Uh, So just for our listeners and for me. So how, how did that work? How many times did you stop? And I, I, I see you saw a pretty uh, important politician along the way, I think. I did. I saw uh, Senator Fetterman coming out of Pittsburgh. He was just going for his daily walk on the trail. And uh, I said to my fiance who was riding beside me, or she said to me, actually, that guy really looks like John Fetterman because we were coming up 
um, from behind. And then he turned around to start walking the other way. And I was like, oh, that's John Fetterman. So uh, we offered him a ride to work. He declined politely. Um, didn't want to be sitting on the back of my bike for five days because that's how long it took. Um, but honestly, I think I got the better end of that deal because I don't know if I would want John Fetterman on the back of my bike for five days. That's a, he's a large man. Um, he is but yeah, the balancing act that it would take to put, to keep John Fetterman on the back of a bicycle. It'd be awesome. Considering that first story you put out where your, your pack fell off your bike as soon as you got on it. I'm not sure that John Fetterman would have survived the ride. Yeah. I'm not a bike rider. Um, and Grace is referring to literally the first second of my bike ride where I swung one leg over the bike and kicked the, I guess a, a bike bag is called a pannier, which I learned on this trip. I didn't know um, that. Kicked, kicked the pannier directly off the bike um, within the first second of, of getting on it. But it was cool. It was uh, long. <laughs> took five did you, did you train at all? No. This no. trip? Just, uh, I'm going to go out there and do it. And I just went for like it. 200 miles, yeah. It's a lot like hop culture. Just I was going to, yes. Look, look at that segue. Ooh. Look at that segue right in. So let's, you know, pretty good at segues, let's yeah. grab that segue and run with it. Kenny, can you tell us a little bit about pop culture and then how it started? Sure. So for those who do not know, Hop Culture is a free online magazine. We publish five times a week, um, Monday through Friday at hopculture.com. We are on Instagram at hopculturemag. Um, let's see, how did it start? I guess it started... Uh, with my career in journalism, I had always wanted to be a writer and a fiction writer, actually. But coming out of school, I thought, um, you know, I'll go get a, a job writing for a magazine because there weren't too many jobs where you got paid to write fiction. So um, went to New York City and worked for a magazine and started writing about all types of things. But I noticed that whenever I wrote pieces on beer, um, the numbers on the back end of the, the website looked really good. It was a digital magazine. So you could see exactly how many people were reading each piece. And this was a time when there were maybe, oh, 3000 breweries in the country. And I was traveling a lot for work in every city I went to, I was seeing this proliferation of craft breweries everywhere. I think most people listening probably know that there's what over 9,000 breweries today. So um, definitely a lot of growth happening in the industry, but I noticed that the way people were talking about the industry was not the way that my friends and I were enjoying the breweries. It was a lot of local print magazines and little newspaper type magazines that you'd find at breweries, but my friends and I were on our phones and reading stuff online and on social. And so when I left that magazine uh, that I had originally worked for, I thought, you know, I bet I could build a similar model, do a really similar thing, but just do beer. And so that was the start of pop culture. 
When you were first getting into writing and you were thinking like, I want to be a fantasy novelist, like ideally full time. And thankfully now you're foraying into that. Um, how did you navigate the distance between what you originally were hoping to do and what you were doing? And did you find outlets for that along the way? It's a really thoughtful question. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I got my MFA. Actually, it was while I was getting my MFA that I started Hop Culture. Um, so Master of Fine Arts in Creative Writing. I I don't know. I, I think I saw them as more intertwined. I think it was like, oh, I'll still be writing. And at some point, it'll be super easy just to jump over. Um, that is not true at all. I'm trying to to pursue fiction now and and the audiences for craft beer and the audiences for fantasy fiction are not aligned as I learned when I put out my first book, which was a collection of humorous fictional short fantasy stories all set on a floating cloud where everybody worked in the brewing industry. Um, nobody asked for that. Uh, and as it turned out, nobody read it. So that's <laughs> how I, I keep the two separate, um, but it was really good. I mean, just the skills, some of the skills were definitely transferable, right? Being able to write under deadline, keeping yourself motivated um, when nobody is there to motivate you, uh, when you're staring at a blank page and a cursor and you got to get a certain amount of words out. Editing has been a huge part of my career, so uh, self-editing, editing other people's work and uh, brand building too. I mean, building a name now for myself as a fiction writer is similar in some ways to building the hot culture brand, uh, different in other ways, but, but some of the skills were transferable. I definitely thought they would be more transferable <laughs> to answer your question. So yeah. yeah. We'll say Kenny, like you've been really good at, I think for a long time, I don't know how long, but you get up like every morning and write, you know, that's like your morning routine. And I don't know how many words you write or whatnot, but I, you were doing that even in the hop culture days, right? Yeah. Since yeah. I was 21, uh, I've written every morning between six and nine. Uh, and I usually, I shoot for 2000 words if I can do that. So I have a lot of paper. <laughs> yeah. So even while like running a business and basically building it from the ground up, you know, you were still writing every morning and every day and still honing in on your craft. And now you finally be able to put that out, you know, into the world and in, in the form that you actually wanted. So I think yeah. it's pretty incredible. <laughs> I sometimes wonder, like, do you ever, I've talked to you about this before, but do you ever sleep? I sometimes wonder because I do sleep. I sometimes wonder if I had put that toward a more useful skill, what I would be doing right now. Uh, but more useful than writing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's three hours a day for the last, what, over a decade now. Um, <laughs> what, what could I have done if I, oh, my mind yeah. Yeah, built an arc. Dope arc. Yeah. Yeah. We'll go biblical here. You're, yeah. the, new, you're, the, you're the new Noah. Definitely on arc. Started a cult. Definitely could have started a cult yeah. in that time. Yeah. yeah. 
We, I would like to, as a tangent here, uh, use this opportunity to formally invite Grace as our third uh, host. Because yeah. Your questions are yeah. fantastic. I know. I was like, this is really cool. I'm going to let, I can just listen to them. They're great. Yeah, so, should we turn yeah. around on you and start asking both of you questions? Hey, you can ask us any over. questions you want. I am an open book. Grace, <laughs> Grace was gassing me up earlier, so now I'm going to flip the script. And kids are going to learn something about yeah. Grace Whites today. Uh, what can I tell you about Grace? Grace is one of the best people I know. Grace has been uh, a friend of mine for many, many years. Grace started as an intern at Hop Culture. Um, this story is actually really telling. Grace started as an intern at Hop Culture while Grace was a grad student at NYU. And we were based in New York at the time. And Grace was an editorial intern. Uh, and then we all went down to see your thesis presentation, um, the whole Hop Culture team. And Grace's thesis presentation was a program called Beers Without Beards. It was a week-long series of events in New York City um, that culminated in a festival featuring female-run uh, breweries or breweries where uh, a woman was brewing. And I thought that was so cool. And we were like, Grace, do you want to come like work for us full-time and do this? Uh, actually, Grace was like, yeah, that's why I wrote an entire thesis. Um, I'd love to. Yes. Thank and you. So then Grace did come to work for us, but the most interesting thing was, and this is the really telling part, um, Grace had interned for us as an editorial intern because correct me if I'm wrong, Grace, but you wanted to write. And we I had did, just yeah. heard, uh, John Paradiso at the time who just opened the Daily Beer Bar in Durham, North Carolina. Check he it out. He was our very first guest on this podcast. Oh, really? What? The glass yeah, already. Yeah, you have the glass. Oh, shout out JP. Yeah. My sweet son. Uh, <laughs> that's awesome. Um, so we had just hired him and it was a super fledgling startup and we didn't have the money to pay another full-time writer. But I was like, Grace, we need somebody to run sales. And I thought Grace might be good at that because Grace is one of the best listeners I know. Grace is a terrific problem solver. And she played D1 soccer at Northwestern, which is a fact that she won't tell you because she's super humble. Uh, and my dad had always told me, if you're going to hire a salesperson, hire an athlete because they have a competitive edge and I was 26 at the time and thought that was the best advice I'd ever heard uh didn't really know much about hiring so I was like Grace do you want to run sales for us and Grace knew nothing about sales and she was like sure and then for the next four years proceeded to absolutely crush it as we built the business from the ground up um John Paradiso eventually left and uh Grace was like, hey, um, do you still need a writer? I start writing now. <laughs> and then I was the managing editor for, for the whole thing. So uh, I think that story is pretty telling. Of this Grace. is you know, his favorite thing to do. It's just trade yeah, compliments. Just, 
each yes, other uh, and fun facts. Cause usually when Kenny says, Oh, Grace is a D one athlete, then I counter by saying, well, I bet you all didn't know that Kenny also announced a lot of sports games for a D one school. Ooh, <laughs> sports. I got a face for radio. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and for writing. And for writing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, yeah. I'm like looking at my questions. I'm like, all right, Grace asked it. All right, Kenny asked it. All right, we're, we're good. We're just like checking them off the list. But that's, it's great because really what we're seeing with the two of you and what I had already assumed to be true is that you guys really, the two of you really see eye to eye on, on things and you complement each other so well uh, in terms of your styles and what you've been able to build. Um, you know, anyone who just goes onto the Hop Culture website or follows you on Instagram can see that the the product that you've created is really all encompassing. I mean, I was just, I've been on your website a thousand times, but I just wanted to like look again and how you can choose, you know, gear, people, beer, you know, it's, it truly shows how involved, how deep, how rich uh, the beer culture is. And um, we're we're really seeing that play out with the two of you now, which is really special for for us, and I think it'll be equally as special for our listeners, which is really cool. Um, I'd love to hear about festivals because um, Kenny, when you first started Hop Culture, was that something that you envisioned being part of this, or did that come because you started making all these great relationships and you're like, hey, I can I can bring these people together. Um- uh, I want to say one of those two things, but it's actually neither. Um, that started because I thought I had a, a business model. I thought I'd sell advertising when we first started, forgetting that if you don't have anybody reading your publication, uh, nobody wants to buy advertising from you. Um, so then I thought we could build a business on affiliate marketing, which is how the magazine I used to work for made money. Basically, um, if they wrote a roundup of the 10 best camping tents, the the links in that article would be uh, tracking links. And so if you clicked one of those links and ended up buying one of those tents, the magazine would get a kickback as the person that referred you to uh, that tent. But uh, at the time, now things have changed, but you couldn't buy beer on the internet. So uh, we we couldn't do affiliate marketing because we couldn't actually refer anyone to buy anything. So um, we launched January, it was January 17th, 2017. We launched the the magazine. I say magazine, it was never in print. It's still not in print. It's all digital. Um, so we we published our first articles on the website on the 17th and then I realized oh like I gotta figure out some way to to make money uh because the assumption that I had around how we could do that was was totally incorrect and we had another intern at the time his name was Dave we called him social media Dave he was a University of Pittsburgh student um he ran our our social media and he said, uh, why don't we throw a festival? We should call it the Juicy Brews Freshy Fest. And I was like, that sounds like a blast. Um, I love the name Juicy Brews. 
I'm going to drop Freshy Fest, but let's do it. And so we threw that festival because I thought maybe um, that could be a viable model for supporting the editorial until we got big enough to actually have an audience where we could sell advertising. And so uh, I called 12 breweries that I thought were super cool at the time. I think the only one I actually knew personally was Dancing Gnome. We were in Pittsburgh. I was in Pittsburgh at the time and they agreed to let us host it in their back parking lot. And then I just picked up the phone and called uh, 12 other breweries that I thought were, were super rad and all 12 said they would come. So <laughs> they did. The festival sold out in 10 seconds and then we had a business that that worked. So um, we've since since thrown 51 additional festivals around the country, including the Pro Football Hall of Fame's Craft Beer Festival in Canton. We threw that. Um, and uh, other than our, our Juicy Brews Festival, we did a Halloween edition in Boston a couple of years, Spooky Brews. But of course, uh, I'll, I'll toss you guys another segue. The my favorite and uh, what we've really built over the past couple of years is thanks to Grace White's uh, in in really driving beers without beards and now queer beer as kind of events and and spaces where all types of people um, can come and hang out and feel safe and enjoy beer. So, Grace, I'm going to turn it back to you because. Uh, <clears throat> yeah i mean i think the, the model of a beer festival is changing right like i think what made juicy brew so innovative at the time is that you were bringing like the actual brewers like eventually people that you got to know came to the festival and they were because they were coming they brought like you know the the brief i guess brief if you want to call that was kind of loose it was like your juiciest beer right so that could really mean anything like whether it was a sour or a hazy or an ipa or just a beer you thought was juicy like <laughs> you know um and I think that model really worked at the time. Um, <laughs> but now, especially, you know, post pandemic and, and just in a time when we're really trying to find ways to elevate underrepresented, underrepresented communities in the industry um, and showcase them more. I just don't think it's good enough to just have a regular festival anymore. And we're starting to see that with people wanting, um, you know, a reason to drink or a reason to support breweries that normally don't get a lot of um, support in the industry. Um, and so, I, you know, our goal with Beers Without Beards and, and mostly, you know, with, with Queer Beer Now um, is to just showcase like the really vibrant, rich, thriving queer community uh, in craft beer. And, you know, we were able to host it uh, we actually started during the pandemic. We did a virtual festival and then we had a beer box that paired with it. <clears throat> we hosted it in person for the first time in DC last year. And like, no joke, I, I tell this story all the time, but it was the most colorful event I've ever been to. I mean, you saw uh, queer people, straight people, trans people, BIPOC, Latin, white, black, brown, um, all ages, young, old. Uh, we had over 40 drag queens that performed there. Um, there was a, the story I like to tell is there was a straight white couple that walked up to me and said they were just there because their, their kid had come out as trans and just wanted to come and support. And they were so thankful that there was like a safe space that they knew that, you know, their own kid could come one day. 
um, and just drink beer and have a good time. So this year we are morphing that into a queer beer box, which actually just went live last week. Um, so we're showcasing 12 um, queer owned, queer led, or of course supporting breweries from across the country. Uh, Necromancer is one. I don't know why I'm, you can't see this because you're listening to a podcast, but Necromancer is one. I'm drinking one of their beers right now. So Lauren Hughes, head brewer there, and Nina Santiago, lead brewer, both queer. Um, the brewery is owned by uh, a white dude, <laughs> uh, but has become kind of a um, pinnacle for the queer community just based on actions, based on things they've done in the tap room. They started a queer beer club. They have queer representation in the back, in the front. Um, lots of people from the queer community are applying to work there because they've really just um, become kind of a very exemplary, exemplary model of how a brewery can be welcoming and, and opening and create a safe space for all. So yeah, that's the goal with Queer Beer. And I think honestly, hopefully the uh, the direction of, of festivals in, in the future. I mean, this is badass stuff, yeah. right? And from your own uh, thesis at in grad school to then bringing it to life in kind of a, a more permanent way, uh, that must be really gratifying. And you're living out the very, like when Matt was commenting and when we mentioned all earlier, like how you, Grace and Kenny are like going back and forth in a way that's like just very clearly supportive, right? You're creating an environment in which work and is um, melded with like who you are as people, like bringing kindness. And then you're also bringing that to beer festivals and how do we make it, make the world a more inclusive space. And uh, that's, I mean, that's what we're all about. That's the purpose of this podcast. You've also mentioned a couple of our guests along the way. We interviewed Andrew Witchie from Dancing Gnome, uh, Lauren Hughes from Necromancer, uh, our two awesome people with great organizations doing great things. Um, and Grace, I wanted to ask you for like, seeing your thesis project come to life in this way and then have such a tangible impact as a, a couple walking up to you and saying like, this has affected our lives in a certain way and will affect our child's life in a certain way. How does that feel? <laughs> uh, it feels pretty incredible. Um, there's a story I like to tell about the first Beers Without Beards in 2018. Um, we hosted at the well, which is no longer around as a pandemic, unfortunately has come to the pandemic in Brooklyn, New York. But that weekend when we were having the, uh, the beer festival, um, mother nature decided that it wanted to rain and we had a huge tent. So you could definitely hang out underneath the tent, but there was also a lot of, um, <laughs> open space back there. Uh, so when I went to go set up in the morning, I probably changed clothes like three times. Uh, I switched clothes with my wife when she got there because my, sh my shirt was just like soaked through and it stopped raining when people came in. But at one point during the festival, it just started pouring again. And I was standing up on these shipping containers, kind of looking out over the event. And I was just like, oh shit, everyone's going to leave. It's raining. Oh my God. No one's going to want to like stay here and stick around for this. And like simultaneously, what you saw is just like people had brought umbrellas and they just like popped their umbrellas up. They were like huddling in groups of like three or four under their umbrellas. You'd see like one person scurry out and go grab beer for other people. Or you saw people under the big tent. That's where the DJ was was located. So they were just under the big tent, like dancing and laughing and having a great time, like totally, you know, not pandemic friendly. So it was a good thing. It was 2018 <laughs> at the time. Um, and I just remember thinking like, wow, all these people actually 
want to stay here, right? And they want to participate and they're having a great time and like this actually means something to them. Um, and so similar with that story I just told with Queer Bear, like actually having that manifest in the world is is incredible because um, it's not always the case, right? You know, there are times when we will post things on Instagram uh, about queer owned breweries or other underrepresented groups and we'll get people that comment on that, like keep politics out of my beer. I just want to drink beer stop being woke. Um, and to those people, I, I just want to say like, you can kindly unfollow us then because we're not going to stop posting about underrepresented groups. We're not going to stop writing about them. Um, these are the people whose stories need to be told the most in an industry that has been dominated by predominantly white cis men, sometimes with facial hair, <laughs> sometimes, <laughs> uh, for a while now. So yeah, he's so so I, I once and once again you've provided like the perfect segue for us. Um, one thing I have always appreciated with hop culture is you, you the no fear attitude. Um, you guys have always been kind of on the forefront of putting um, inclusivity in craft beer at a premium, and no more so than you are right now with your ten part series about creating safer spaces in beer. Um, we uh, mentioned, uh, we alluded to um, before we started recording with you guys, the kind of how this podcast came about. And a lot of it came about because of the Me Too movement in, in the beer industry, uh, you know, pushed forward by Brianne Allen, allowing her Instagram to be a safe space for people to share stories. Um, you guys have started this series on your website. You allude to Brianne in the series um, and you are going through 10 different kind of ways to make a safer space in breweries, but just in beer in general. Can you talk a little bit about why the time was now for you guys to do this and um, maybe give us a little uh, teaser of what's to come in the series, but also why it's so important for you to not only preach that practice this, which you guys have already been doing, but why it's important, especially, um, well, for both of you being at the top of the food chain of pop culture, why it's so important to put words behind it. Yeah, so I can kind of start with this one. Um, the series originally started because I had some friends that came to me um, that experienced an instance of harassment and discrimination at a beer festival um, and wanted us to kind of help tell that story. And um, I felt like in order to help me tell their story, there I had to get more at the core of what was really happening and, and tell a bigger story, right? Um, I don't know if you guys have ever seen, not, not to compare myself or at all the Washington Post, but if you've seen Spotlight, right, um, that whole story starts because like they want to expose, you know, a, a couple, a couple, what they think are a couple, you know, Catholic priests um, that have, have, have done some very bad things. Um, and really their editor at the Washington Post at the time, like, keeps pushing them to not get at just these priests, but at the whole system, right, um, and what's wrong with the whole system and to go higher and to go higher. Um, so I kind of saw this as an opportunity just to like take up a, a positive look at what some breweries are doing in the industry to really create welcoming spaces and safe spaces and to hopefully give folks some tangible steps they can take, um, to consider or, or think about how they can make their, their spaces more welcoming to, to everyone, regardless of the color of your skin or your gender identity, your gender expression, um, your sexuality, your, um, you know, ability, whatnot. So that's kind of where it started and it just kind of started snowballing because um, I just wanted 
started talking to more and more people. And, uh, at one point I, I called up Kenny and I was like, um, I have like 16,000 words here and I don't know what to do with this. Like, can you really help me kind of shape this into something that will actually be impactful? And Kenny really helped me, um, develop it. It was his idea to make it into a 10 part series and to kind of like break it up into different, different manageable chunks for people. So yeah, we have two, two parts out now. Um, there's 10 parts total. The first two parts talk about why the industry, uh, isn't diverse or how we got to where we are right now. Uh, the second part talks about um, kind of the pillars of what a safe space would look like based on what other people are already doing in the industry. And yeah, the other parts, we're, we're going to cover a lot of ground, um, just different different ways that you can create a safe space, whether that's through a code of conduct or creating a vocational program, how as a consumer um, you can support uh, different breweries out there. Um, yeah, there's there's a lot to it, a lot of work that went into it. Um, and so hopefully, you know, my kind of mantra is if we can change one, 10 or a hundred people's minds, like that will be impactful for me and for how culture. I mean, I, I, I read the first two parts and, you know, you, you're really hitting all the necessary places with that. Um, you know, uh, being, and Chris and I have always talked about it each episode, because even if it's, you know, we want to make sure that you, if it's a person listening to our podcast for the first time, we are both, uh, cis white straight men. And, you know, we know that it's a little peculiar or could be viewed as peculiar having a couple of us doing this podcast, but we've always said, and I always tell people when they ask me about it, you know, we're trying to have those conversations, not just for our listeners, but for ourselves. I think that's where a lot of people kind of go off when it comes to creating a safe space. Everyone, no one wants to admit that just by being who they are, they're kind of part of the issue. And it's about educating yourself and, you know, finding out what people can do to make it a more accepting and diverse and equitable uh, industry. And I think the work that you guys are doing right now, I think it's a very impactful um series and i i can't wait to read the re read the rest of it because i know that i'm just like still like a neophyte like i'm still learning and um and i know chris you feel the same way yeah that's for sure and also kudos matt uh neophyte sweet i like our new periodically matt will get a new vocab word i'm hoping this one makes an appearance in subsequent episodes how how attached to it do you feel matt um, I like the word neophyte, but not as much as our, uh, my other one, <laughs> amalgamate or amalgamation. Amalgamation. Got it. Okay. <laughs> oh, I got one for you, Matt. You uh, ready? I'm, I, I'm a huge fan of amalgamate and amalgamation. I've worked it into almost every episode. Well, take this. A synonym for uh, amalgamation is a salmagundi. Oh. Yeah. Is, is it used in the same way? Um, I think so. I think it's just like a like a like a mix, like a milieu. Okay. Uh, yeah. Salmagundi. Okay. I'm... I was gonna spell it, and then I realized I can't. So. <laughs> I know. I was gonna. I, I was gonna ask. Okay. But then I was like, I'm. I don't write. I'm a math teacher, and you know, I very much stay away from writing unless I'm writing my wife like a birthday card or an anniversary card. Uh, oh, thanks, Chris. Chris Chris dropped the Wikipedia. Wow, Chris, you got that spelling? No, no, no. Google corrected my spelling. Oh, okay. brought me to the correct spelling. 
S-A-L-M-A-G-U-N-D-I. Uh, it, for those wondering, it's, it might have been derived from the obscure 16th century French word salmagondi, uh, which means disparate assembly of things, ideas, or people forming an incoherent whole. Hey, we. We. Is, <laughs> so so um, you, you guys know a lot about the beer industry and you um, do very, you, you write some really important pieces about beer, but you also write about beer. Uh, you're not, not just about, you know, DEI and beer, but also beer, beer and beer. And, um, you know, very interested to hear about what kind of beers you guys like. I mean, I always tell our guests that you guys have kind of put me on a lot of the breweries that I drink and kind of led me to a few of our guests like Iker from Tripping Animals, um, like Zara from uh, Back Home Beer, you know, I wouldn't have known about those breweries if it weren't for hop culture. So what beers do you guys like? And what, what's the best beer you've had recently? I know you guys write your best beers in each month, but you personally, what, what beers do you enjoy drinking and what sticks out in your recent memory? Oh, yeah. So tough. Who wants to take that first, Kenny? <laughs> You're the one who writes the best beers of the week. <laughs> oh, I'll let you take that one not. I mean, I'll give a shout out certainly to uh, Trace Brewing in Pittsburgh, which is another brewery that has done some really incredible things for the community. And they also just make great beer. So shout out to them and the beer they're making, the work they're doing. Throw that out there. Yes. It's always a tough question because I feel like Beers I love change every day, right? There's, you know, as Kenny mentioned, over 9,500 breweries in the country now. And if they're all making even just 10 beers, you know, I am not a math person, Matt. So uh, I believe that's like 90,000. <laughs> you nailed it. Yeah, that's it. Nailed it. Great. Um, <laughs> but it's probably even more than that, right? That are coming out every year. And sometimes I feel like uh, for Kenny and I, as people that work at a beer magazine, people expect us to, to know every single beer that's out there and to have drank every single beer, um, which we have not, but some in recent memory that I have really enjoyed. I'm drinking this uh, Snake Pit Maybach from Necromancer. Um, every beer I've tried from Necromancer um, has been banging, and I know they're they're opening up a new spot, or they took over a new spot that they're opening up soon in Pittsburgh, um, so highly recommend anything from Necromancer, and also they are in the queer beer box. So if you're looking to get a beer from Necromancer, you could also just buy the queer beer box. Uh, <laughs> little shameless plug there. Um, let's I see. Promise I too, we like, we like breweries that are not in Pittsburgh. We've just only mentioned. <laughs> yeah. Well, we can also shout out another one of our former guests who has also got a beer in the beer box, Lady Justice. Hey. So, you know, shout out to a non-Pittsburgh and I, Grace, I'm waiting to hear what's good in Oakland. Oh, man. Okay. Yes. So Oakland, um, Temescal is one of my wife and I, our favorite places to go. We've celebrated many birthday parties there. Very queer friendly. It's actually, this is a great story. Um, when we first moved to Oakland, it was on March 1st, 2020 from New York. We roll in after driving like 3000 miles and call up our friends. Like, we want to go get a beer. They were like, well, I don't know. I've been hearing about this COVID thing. Uh, I'm not sure that we should go out. Like, what do you mean? We just drove all literally all the way across the country. Like, we're going to go get a beer. 
And we went to Temescal and they were hosting Queer First Friday, which is their um, monthly kind of like queer uh, party. They, they bring in a queer DJ and they just do like a dance party. Had a blast, went home. Two days later, government shuts down basically the whole country, right? Everything's on lockdown. We don't leave our apartment <laughs> for like two years. So Temescal was our introduction to Oakland and still one of our favorite places to get beer. Um, Wondrous also um, makes great lagers. They opened up in 2021, I think. They were one of our best new breweries of the year. I think it was in 2021. So Oakland um, has a pretty, I'm a huge lager fan. So if a brewery is making some great lagers, that's probably where, where you're going to find me. That's excellent, as as Kenny knows, because of, and I've got to ask about, um, Kenny, you're like the star of a, uh, you know, your your own beer show in the model of, um, like, a bunch of, like, some of the best travel shows uh, that you can think of. We have Next Exit, and you came to Philadelphia, actually, the same weekend that we hung out with John Paradiso in Philadelphia, um, and you got a chance to uh, travel to Human Robot, which is our kind of top brewery of our city, and they, oh, they yeah. specialize in lagers. And Kenny, you got to enjoy some uh, milk tubes. How was uh, <laughs> how was that experience for you? It was it was freaking awesome. Um, I love Daft Punk, and so I was maybe a little. I was prepared to like Human Robot because the the name is a reference to a Daft Punk song. Um, but it exceeded my expectations. I was prepared to love it because of Daft Punk. I was prepared to hate it because it was in Philly uh, and I'm from Pittsburgh. Um, and I'd always been told growing up that Philadelphia sucked. And as it turns out, I'll say it on air. It doesn't. It was awesome. I had a great time. Uh, everybody was nice to me. I thought everybody was going to be mean. They weren't. Um, and the beer was incredible. Uh, Human Robot was so cool. Went to Fermentary Form. They were great. Crime and Punishment. I've known those guys for years and they're so smart and so weird. And they make cool, odd beers. Uh, just such a, such a strange array of beer in Philadelphia. Like anything you would want, any weird niche that you could hope to find it's there for some reason. So yeah, I had an absolute blast at human robot and uh, that was a cool show. I enjoyed doing that. It was something I'd always wanted to do. And when you're running a small independent media company, whatever you want to call hop culture, uh, never really had the bandwidth, but um Actually, so I don't know how many people know this, but I sold the company in 2020 to Next Glass, which owns Untapped uh, and Beer Advocate as well. So now I am the I work for for Next Glass. Um, but when you do something like that, suddenly uh, you you find the money to go out and film a five episode beer travel show, which is sweet. So. That opened up a lot of doors in terms of the media that we wanted to create that we never really had the bandwidth or the, the resources, frankly, to, to do before because it's not an inexpensive endeavor. Yeah, 
And I enjoyed watching you and Andrew do shots of, of foam in those yeah. uh those Kolsch glasses. Yeah, it's you really and Foss. Cool. Yeah, you really yeah. You, you did it. You made it happen. You know, because it's on video, you can get the photo finish. Um, we did a we raced <laughs> to see who could drink the foam the quickest, and we ostensibly tied on the first one, but I think uh not to be a sore loser, but uh I was drinking on behalf of the city of Pittsburgh. And so I just want to hold everyone to the same standard. I had more foam than he did to start, uh, but he did beat me. So <laughs> I guess, you know, the world will never know. Well, well the, uh, saying the world will know because it's on film and you. Yeah. Can but I mean, but you know, we'll have, we'll have to look at the replay. We can throw a challenge flag. We'll see right. what happens. We'll, right. we'll, we'll look at the footage and see, I don't know. I, I I'm going to go with the Philly guy. I'm going to go with Andrew Foss and you know, I'm going right. to stick with that. But, yeah, um, you said Philadelphia loved you, Kenny, but after that, I don't know. You may go back now. You may get some dirty looks on the street. Yeah, you might get booed. You might get a, a good old Philadelphia boo on the street. I'm I wouldn't be part of that, it. but I'm used to it. <laughs> um, you know, it's funny. So while we're recording, and I don't mind saying this, Chris and I will direct message each other, like, all right, yeah, definitely ask, you know, about this next. And of course, you're talking, we're talking about next exit which for our listeners, definitely watch it. Uh, it's like an Anthony Bourdain style travel show for beer. And, and that's probably like the best compliment I could give because anyone who's ever watched any of uh, Anthony Bourdain's shows, they're like the most mesmerizing. It, you literally watch it and you're like, I want that. I want to do that. I want to be that. Like that's kind of how, at least how I feel when I watch them. I'm like, that is so cool. And Kenny gets to do that with, with breweries and go look, you know, visit breweries, which is really cool. Um, but I, I messaged Chris. I was like, tie it into selling ne- selling the next glass. And then Kenny started doing it as I'm typing. And I'm like, you know, we don't need to be here. Like, this is perfect. But like, you you talk to journalists and they know the questions. Like, they know the questions. They don't need to be asked. It's self-leading. And like, Chris, this is probably the episode you've spoken the least amount. But it's like the best because we get to like just listen to you guys talk, which I've always wanted to do anyway. Even if I didn't have a podcast, I'd be wanting to listen to Kenny and Grace talk, which is really cool for me. Well, so, we do every day. It's kind of nice to, usually I'm the one asking all the questions. So it's kind of um, nice to turn right. the table. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 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 It's segue after segue, just out the wazoo. It's pretty great. Yeah, yeah. segues and puns. Grace yeah. is really good at puns. Love puns, yeah. Put um, me in the Thunderdome. Yes, I do love that. I should mention um, anybody that wants to watch Next Exit, it's on YouTube. Uh, You can search Next Exit Untapped, U N T A P P D. And I say that because there is another channel called Next Exit, which is just two rad old people reviewing RV campsites. And (laughs) that's not the right, (laughs) or it might be, but it's not my show. Um, Any potential for a crossover? Uh, I've joked about that like 32 times because I, I think they seem really nice, but, uh, as of now, my agent has not uh, managed to get a hold of them. So I really appreciate how you just said 32 and you were thinking about the number as you were doing it, as if you actually know how many times you have alluded to a crossover. You're like, yesterday was 31. I briefly, I'm mentioning it now. That's 32. I have a weird memory for that type of thing. Yeah. So 
pop culture has become this thing. And it's probably not what you had envisioned. It's definitely not what you envisioned when you started because you saw it as a magazine and it's taken off um, to include festivals, including taking a more of a political stance, which is a beautiful thing. Um, you know, now that you have, uh, you're under the next glass umbrella with Untapped, with Beer Advocate, where do you want pop culture to go? Where do you see the logical next step? I mean, as creators, you know, you never want to plateau. So how do you take it to a new level and what takes you there? Uh, that's a terrible uh, question. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the great burden, the blessing and the curse of being in yes. charge of the ship. It's a great question. Um, I think, you know, what Kenny started was really revolutionary at the time. Uh, and really, you know, I don't think he ever really saw it going there. He just wanted to write about beer, as he said in the beginning. Um, but he wrote about beer from a completely new perspective and at the time was taking, you know, smaller breweries that were, weren't really getting the coverage or their stories told, but they were making incredible beer and he was getting their stories out there. Right. And I think that's how we built this incredible platform. Like people really, um, were in tune with that and really got on board with that. And so he and, and the rest of the team, you know, created this just like really large network of people that, um, now trust and listen and, um, you know, turn to us if they're like going to um, Pittsburgh or Philadelphia or Oakland and they want to find like what are the best breweries or the breweries that we love in that area, you know, they'll turn to us for that. So the next step for me is that I want people to turn to us when they're looking for, um, you know, one of our most search pieces for the past year. Uh, we did a piece on the 45 um, queer led queer supporting and queer owned breweries to champion right now and forever. Uh, and it's one of our most searched pieces. So people are turning to us for that now. And that's really where I see the direction of the magazine taking. We have this incredible platform now. How can we use that to, again, just like with Queer Beer, um, tell stories of people that just aren't told in the industry or that are struggling or, or facing a lot of challenges in the industry that are overlooked in the industry um, black owned, brown owned, indigenous owned, uh, women owned, queer owned breweries, Latino owned breweries, um, you know, these breweries that just for so long have struggled behind a systemic culture that has not made it easy for them to survive or for them to even start to begin with, right? Um, how can we be that platform that helps them get farther and whatever their goals are, um, tell their stories, tell their narratives, you know, tell, share their challenges and their hurdles that they've overcome, um, that's what I hope people turn to, to us in the future. And what I really see as the future of the magazine. Well, they certainly are already, uh, which is great to see. And I'm curious, as we're talking about next exits, next glasses, next steps <laughs> for hop culture, what's up next for each of you, whether it's personally or professionally, you've both mentioned being dog people, uh, Kenny, I know the five day bike ride is in the past, but I don't know if this begins now a, a road biking or BMX career. <laughs> we mentioned the surfboard behind you off the off air. I know your wife is into that. What's going on for each of you personally coming up next? Um, wow, that's a that's a good one. So the bike ride wasn't just for fun. I was actually going to grad school. Um, so I worked 
full time now, but I've been doing uh, MBA through NYU Stern. We meet in DC, even though it's NYU, which is a little confusing. But soon, Grace and I will both be well, Grace already, but I will soon be an alumnus of uh, NYU. I graduate next month, and that was actually a result of me starting a company at 26 and then uh, getting to a point where I realized that I knew very little about business and really wanted to formalize that education. So um, next class actually sent me back uh, to grad school, which is really awesome of them. So um, next month I'll have my MBA, got my uh, new book coming out. Um, the first one, The Castle of a Thousand Doors, uh, was published in April. The sequel will be out July 18th. So that's super exciting. And then in December, I'm getting married. So that's exciting too. Um, I'd say those are probably the three biggest things going on for me in the next six months. Yeah, and I'll be reading Kenny's second book and traveling to Florida in December for his <laughs> Uh, but no, for now, I mean, um, our queer rear box, it's available, went on sale last week. So as we mentioned, 12 of the top queer owned, queer led, queer supporting breweries in the country. Each, um, we've included a beer in this box and $5 from the sale of each box is going to a really rad organization called Meals on Us PDX, which provides, um, free meals to trans folks or any folks that have had gender affirming surgery in the Portland area and their caretakers as well. Um, so I think, um, all, uh, all in on, on queer beer right now. Um, and then in September, I'll be taking a little trip to, uh, Portugal and Belgium, doing a little beer trip to Belgium with a incredible, uh, founder of Brews Beers, which is a, an amazing Belgian inspired brewery in Denver. Whoa. That's pretty cool. That's really cool. Well, we cannot thank you guys enough for uh, coming on. Uh, for me now and me, you know, however many years ago, I, I stumbled upon hop culture, you know, trying to make something of my passion for beer and realizing that there were people who are, already made it something for me. Uh, it was uh, really special. It's really special to talk to both of you. It completes my triumvirate of talking to you two and to John uh, Paradiso. Uh, now the, the big, the original big three in my head, because I remember just seeing the pictures of the U3 at, at festivals. Um, so it's really cool. Um, and then I will give one last, um, plea to come back to Philly. I know you guys did an event with Double Nickel at, I think the Independence Beer Garden years ago, but please come back to Philadelphia and throw a festival because the, as Kenny knows, because he was just here, the Philly beer uh, industry is thriving. There are a lot of cool people doing cool things, and there are people who are thirsty. So we would love to have uh, Hop Culture back in Philadelphia for a festival. And Chris and I will, of course, be the first people to buy tickets and be in line that day when that day comes. Um, Kenny Gould and Grace White, thank you so much for joining us. And um, just please keep doing what you're doing because it's it's really uh, helping a lot of us out. And it's just amazing to read your work and to see your festivals from afar. And for people who get to go to those festivals, I know they're enjoying them. So thank you. And uh, cheers. Cheers. Appreciate it. Thank you guys.
Have fun. That was great. You know, it's it's really cool to meet or and talk to the people who kind of got you into this uh, in the first place. So well, yeah, I feel like, especially for you, like I, as we've said many times on this podcast before, like you've been in beer longer than I have, but ever since I've known you, Hop Culture has been a publication you've mentioned and it connects you to the bigger community. You discover new uh, breweries through it that you might not have known before. Uh, it taps folks into like the bigger trends and conversations. And uh, I would imagine that this very interview and then us being able to stay on for a few minutes after and chat with Grace and Kenny must have been like even cooler for you because of the history you have with it. Yeah. Like, I, yeah. I think like anytime you're a fan of something, you know, just being like a fan. Um, when you have an opportunity to meet the people behind that fandom, you know, it's such a cool moment, you know, and and I haven't really had that in my life. Like being a a sports fan, I haven't really met a lot of the athletes that I've watched or being, you know, someone who has a degree in acting. I haven't really met actors, professional actors. So I haven't had that moment to like actually have a conversation. And, you know, you always hope when it's somebody that you admire and the work that they do, you admire, you always hope that they are like upstanding, cool people to talk to and nice. And, and Kenny and Grace met those expectations. You know, they not only are, you know, really nice people and really cool people, but they also, you know, they put their money where their mouth is literally. And Kenny started a business that has now become this vessel for craft beer fandom, the culture behind it, but also, you know, talking about what's right in craft beer and having those conversations. And, you know, they have this 10 part series about safety and and creating a safe space in the beer industry. And, you know, the fact that they're doing that work and having those conversations um, is really, really important. And it's cool to see that this is how this product has evolved. And, you know, Grace talked about it. What's next for hop culture. It's already happening. Their future is now. And it's, it's, really exciting and um i'm just glad we got to be like a small little part of it having a conversation with them yeah and uh, a quick aside and then back to the main subject here i get particular enjoyment out of when people say literally but don't quite actually mean literally like you said literally put your money where your mouth is and so i like picturing that while they're talking about and writing about these issues They've just got like dollar bills, like hanging. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they, yeah. And, and I, now that you say that, it's funny. When I said that, now putting those pieces together, I'm like, wait a minute. They don't have you know. where their mouth is. <laughs> it is funny. That is funny, Chris. Thank you for <laughs> now. I'm, now I'm never going to say that again. I'm never going to say literally. I'm never using the same money where their mouth is. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mean to burn you, but I do like, and uh, to go back to the hop culture uh, subject, you know, their, their publication, their work is anything but a Salma Gundy uh, as I have oh. on the tab behind our zoom as a reminder <laughs> to try to use it. Um, Cause I, you got to use it a few times before you like really get to before it's in the lexicon. You know? It doesn't. It doesn't really feel like amalgamation to me. Amalgamation. When I say it, I'm like, "This is a word that makes me sound smart." Salma Gundy. Gu- what? That sounds like a, a word I made up. 
yeah. I don't think that one's going to work its way into my SAT uh, vocabulary words that I like to throw in there, like neophyte. Yeah, that's true. And a quick, um, a quick search on the interwebs of difference between amalgamation and Salmagundi does not bring up any of those like compare.com or whatever articles. So I'm not sure how in circulation Salmagundi is. It might have peaked in the 16th century French or something. Right. Well, Kenny's a writer. So, you know, his his knowledge of the English language is vast. Yes. Yeah. Those three, three hours, dude, three hours every morning for over a decade of writing. That's a lot of writing. That is a lot of writing. I don't think I've written yeah. three hours in my entire life. So, yes, that is a lot of writing. That's 21 hours a week. I know that's insane. that's half a work week. Yes, that's that's wild. That's wild. Uh, well, Matt. So uh, speaking of what we have going on next, as we wrap up this standalone episode, um, what is next for you outside of the episode? And then we can tell listeners about the stuff we have going on in the pod. Um, you know, just enjoying my summer. Um, uh, we're gonna. I'm gonna hang out with beer person Francis and beer person Jeff on Friday. Um, <laughs> I just I giggle. Oh. I tried it whenever I mention someone's name. I think I'm just like, let's put beer person in front of it. Yeah, it, it sounds weird. It listens. I, so. I don't usually say I'm gonna hang out with Jeff and uh, Francis on Friday, <laughs> but it will be have been the Friday in the past when you are listening to this. But um, other Good. than that, just enjoying my summer. Uh, relaxing away from the job and just uh, trying to take it easy and have some good beer and spend time with the family. Nice. How are you, Chris? Well, I've got the Maryland trip this weekend. Yeah. Uh, meet Kelsey's family. It should be fun. And I have permission to work from home uh, for at least this week and next. And then it's TBD in July, but it sounds hopeful. So cool. I'm looking forward to getting some work done in a more relaxed setting. Um, like maybe by a pool or just hanging out at home with the cats or maybe at a brewery or two because the next thing for our work in the podcast is that you and I are going to be setting up our calendar, reaching out to some folks uh, who we made connections with at Logjammin and who we've had other conversations with not at Logjammin um, to do try to get as much recording as we can done in our months between school years uh, so that we can release season official season full season four um, at the end of the summer or the start of the fall so we are pretty excited about that did i miss anything no i think that's it sweet well beer people as always thanks for joining us we hope you enjoyed this episode um, check out our posts from Log Jammin and just recent happenings at Beer People Podcast on Instagram. And reach out to us via email with anything you need, beerpeoplepodcast at gmail.com. And our website has links to all of the ways to listen to this in case you're sending it to uh, a friend who you're like, do they use Apple Podcasts? Do they use Spotify? I don't know. Just send them the website, beerpeople.xyz. So thank you once again for joining. We'll talk to you again soon. Cheers.